The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the raw and uncensored Ambitious Podcast. I'm your host, the original HBIC, Katie Boyd. During our time here together, I will be instilling all of the strength, power, and determination you will need to use the very stones thrown at you to build your ultimate empire. We will redefine the word bitch from the derogatory to the acronym being in total control of herself. So let's adjust our crowns and prepare to live life ambitiously. Oh, yeah. Here's the HBIC in control, and I am Matt Babine. <laughs> that is H-B-I-C. not how it goes. And, and, and here I am, the head brother in control. This is embarrassing. This is embarrassing. That was really good. We- oh, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Someone literally shoot me. <laughs> that was like. I've been he, wanting he, to do that for a really long time, Katie. Thank like, you so much for allowing me to do the old. Sounds more like yeah. Randy Macho Man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Snap into a Slim Jim on that bitch's podcast. Snap into a Slim Jim. <laughs> okay. First of all. Yes. Number one. Don't school me on the ambitious program because I am. am. You're supposed to say, oh, yeah, here I am, Matthew Babine, the HBIC head brother in control. I almost said Katie Boyd, so. You haven't even introduced me yet. What am I, fucking chopped liver over here? Oh, yes. This is what happens when you let the monkeys fucking rule the circus. (laughs) And on my left side over here is the most beautiful, loving, unbelievable soul on the universe, my wife, Katie Boyd. You just made my labia go inside of itself. <laughs> Biggest turnoff I've ever, ever had in my life. I feel like gagging. Matt, okay, so, good job. Uh, thank you so much. All right, well, why don't you take over the rest of it and read, nope. and read everything? Uh, you take over the rest and uh, you just do that part. I do the part like, here's Katie, and then you oh. take over. <laughs> here's Johnny. <laughs> All right, so I, you know, today's Matt's podcast because he actually came up with an idea. I know Doogie Howser shit, <laughs> right? Amazing. It, it's a all the it's things, a Christmas miracle. It's a Christmas miracle, and you know all the things that I do, I did. You know, want to want to want to come up with this. We came actually up with it together. Get the so, cock out of your mouth, but, uh, Matt. What are you talking about? But anyways, uh, say hey, get over there and give us a review. Okay, I'm gonna read the ambitious <laughs> iTunes podcast <laughs> review of the week, and it is from Sally. And she says, Katie is life-changing and so inspirational. Katie totally gives what she, totally lives what she preaches, authentically living in her mantra. Thanks for the wake-up call, Katie. See, nowhere in there did she say, thank you, for Matt. No, but it's maybe she may email back and, you know, when you give you a review. And oh, Sally, email me. me at themisfitclub at gmail.com to redeem your $100 gift certificate to use towards anything KBMFC related. And mention Matt. Oh, my God. No, she's not going to mention that. But I will mention our sponsor, Prana Hair, Skin, and Lash. Ayana and her team are incredible. And if you reach out to her via her website and tell her that this bitch sent you over, you will get $100 off of your very first microblading. And then what's coming down the pretty pink pipeline at KBMFC and Ambitious World? Well, I'll tell you what's coming down Ambitious World is your book is coming out big time. And it is going to be absolutely epic 
absolutely epic, and I cannot wait for the release. I know there's a pre-sale date, and I know there's a uh, release, date. release date and all that stuff. So why don't you tell us about that? So all I have to say is go over to www.kbmfc.com and sign up for our free newsletter, and you will get all the information of our pre-sale and our launch and the whole nine yards and an ambitious masterclass coming up. And Kripalu, it's going to be, the next three months are going to be seriously magical. Pretty awesome. All of my hard work has paid off. It always does, right? Cause and effect. Speaking of hard work, I did not work <laughs> hard on this podcast today. And I, if you guys know me and you guys have followed Ambitious for a very long time, you know that every week I come with the knowledge. But I said to Matt, why don't you step up and you bring on a topic that resonates with you and you feel that will help our ambitious out there in ambitious land. Yeah, and I did. And and I've actually just finished reading m- many, many times uh, Napoleon Hill's book, Outwitting the Devil. Mm-hmm. And I think it's an awesome, awesome read. And it is, it's amazing. So I mean, tell us a little uh, bit about Outwitting the Devil. So Napoleon, the past. Oh, the, the past, I'll give you the, the synopsis yes. of what the book is about and so forth. Well, what happened so with the book before it came out? Actually, oh, the book was actually put on the shelf for something like, I don't know, like 70 years right. before it was actually. So it was written in like what, 1934 1934, like I think it was actually written before Think and Grow Rich, but I think he It t- was. I think he took the, and I don't know, but this is just what I'm thinking, that he took a lot of the principles of outwitting the devil and put it into Think and Grow Rich. But I think he thought Think and Grow Rich obviously was a success, huge right. success. But I think it was like, they can handle this. I don't think they can handle me actually conversating with the yes. devil yes. and finding about how he controls 98% of the universe. So pretty much what happened people, was- 98% abs- of the population. As we know that that is true. But pretty much what happened is when Napoleon Hill wrote this book, he had like a conversation with the devil. So if you guys uh, know this, Neil Donald Walsh, I think in the late 90s, early 2000s, wrote uh, Conversations with God. Yes. And everyone was like, oh my really God, true. Conversations with God, so beautiful. But the truth is, is that Outwitting the Devil, which was a conversation with Satan himself, was written in the 30s. And Napoleon Hill's wife begged him not to publish this book because she was afraid that it was blasphemous and people would judge them because they were very uh, religious. Yes. Yes. And so he, she made him promise not to publish this book, and he didn't. And it wasn't until both of them had passed away that the woman who actually controls Napoleon Hill's estates yes. is like, we have to publish this. And the world passed, is ready. He passed away in, 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 in 1970, right? and it was just released, I think, in 2000. 11, 11 or 10, yes, right? Yes. It was right after all of the housing market crash. And, and I think right. his foundation was like, this is the book now for the times. Yes. You know, to be able to kind of help people. And, you know, Thinking Grow Rich came out right after the Great Depression. Yes. And people were in fear and they didn't know what to do. And they kind of had to really be rallied mm-hmm. to be able to go back to the basics um, and not be stock gambling, but actually yes. build things yes. and serve. Uh, and serve, right. you know, and, and create. And, and it was, you know, obviously if you read the book, it's absolutely amazing. But Outwitting the Devil was it, it, awesome. I mean, Rocked really my awesome. world. And I have all of my coaching clients read Outwitting the Devil. It's one of their first things that they have to do when they start working with me is listen to or read Outwitting the Devil because it's so pertinent the information in there because once you realize, and I'll have Matt take over in a second, but once you realize that there's certain things that you do every day that you are not even in control of, your hypnotic rhythm part of your brain 
like the, just the thing that just always sends you back to like time to make the donuts, time to make the donuts, time mm. to make the donuts, which we all have it, but it could be used for go- good or it could be used for negative actions. Yes. So one of the best parts in both of our opinions of this book, and there's so many, mm-hmm. they call the, uh, they call it the six the six horsemen, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, the deadliest horsemen, the it's deadliest, six deadliest horsemen. horsemen, or something like that. And it's really the six things that really drive. It's fear, and obviously, the devil's on the side of fear, and his his uh, opposition, which is love, is you know, if you believe in God or right. universe or positive energy or yes. negative energy, however you want to put it, right. the yin and the yang, it doesn't really make a difference. Uh, there's negative and there's positive. And the devil uses these six things to be able to control people. The 98%. The 98% of uh, fear, 98% of the population. Yes. So, you know, so the number one is poverty. Number two is criticism. Number three is loss of love. The number four is sickness. Number five is old age. And number six is death. So you just blew your whole wad right there for the whole entire podcast. No, I want to go over all of them and go over all of them how You're it supposed works to drip to them day. out, Matt. You're supposed to drip them out. No, no, I'm not dripping. One at a time no. and then you go into it. It's my podcast. So we, <laughs> go, over the, we go over the six of them. But wait then, a minute for a second. Before you go on. Because you go over all of these. I mean, the book's been written. So some people are like, oh, I read that book. How's Matt? What's Matt's take on Outwitting the I Devil? I know. I'm I sure they're all, so just they're all just like grasping at straws at this Matt point. They can't even breathe. They're at the edge of their seat just like Jill right now. <laughs> but the craziest part of the book, though, is when you realize that the devil, which isn't uh, like he says in the book, the devil says to Napoleon Hill, I'm not a, uh, a fork-tongued, ho- cloven hoof, red-faced man sitting right. on a throne right. in hell. The devil is an energy. Is the negative side of the atom. Yes. There's a positive and a negative. In other words, there's always going to be a positive and negative. And without it, you can't have an atom. You, you can't, can't have, have reality. So you can't take bad and not have good. Yes. So it's either, but you just, you choose what you want to pay attention to yes. and where you want to focus. And the way that the devil, the devil energy controls 98% of the population is through this thing that they call hypnotic rhythm. Mm-hmm. First drifting. Yes. First is like, you know, a drifter. You would see a drifter with a ship without a rudder, right? Yes. That's the drifter. So there would be somebody that would not have any goal Goal, any aspiration. No just, definiteness of purpose. No, no, no purpose. Just basically, I go with the flow. I drift with this person. I drift with that person. I don't even know why I'm here. And I don't, I don't know, know why I'm, I'm there. There's no, there's no reason right. to be alive. And yes. how many people, and the drifters meaning what, what Napoleon Hill calls the drifters, a lot of it is around the poverty part. Yes. Right? Because they speak the same language. I don't have any money. I I'm don't broke. have this. I'm broke. And the people who, you know, it's almost like, you know, birds of a feather flock together right Right. so you know and what he was talking about is basically how these people stay down in drifting crabs in a bucket crabs in a bucket right so yeah that's a great that's a great one i I remember i was talking about that Mm -hmm. with the one crab if anyone's not familiar with the crabs in a bucket one crab is almost out of the bucket but then the other crabs just kind of go up and they pull the crab down back into the bucket Right, and I think that's where it is. And you were talking about, um, we were talking about how the poverty is a disease. Yes, right. It's a, it's, it's really a disease. It's I mean, a if you look at around the world, I'm not talking about just in the United States. It's a disease everywhere. But if you look at the third world countries, I mean, it, not only is it a disease. Uh, uh, physically that they don't have any abundance or money to be able to do anything. But it's a collective consciousness. It's a collective consciousness. And it's almost like it's just ancestrally passed down. It's like, well, my parents were broke and they were 
broke. And even if you're talking about like third world countries, like it's almost like they don't know any difference. Yes. Because some of them have never seen any opulence, abundance, and yeah. an over, you know, like I know friends that came here from like, say, Russia. Yeah. And they'll say, oh my God, when I first, the first time I ever went to a, a, a real grocery store, <laughs> they thought it wasn't real. They thought it was because they'd never have seen that that much abundance and selection of food in their life. They wait wait for scraps, you know, in a line or a bread line or stuff like that. Yeah, rations. But I think this this book really, you know, hit home with me because I grew up, you know, probably lower middle class, and but I was very lucky to be because if you know my story, I was adopted from the home for little wanderers, and you know, I was. I was really a throwaway kid. I was a half African American child back in the '60s, and 1967 when I was adopted, and this was really reintroduced to me because of you know the poverty and the, and, and the talk about the poverty. You know how you just said you know the generational keeps you down. My yes. parents didn't have much money, so they would be always like, "Oh, money doesn't grow on trees," and the same talk and the uh, same language would yucky. be there. And until I was able to learn and grow and so forth, think and grow rich, almost yes. like is to be able to pull myself out of that rhythm of yeah. that language or that drifting. And it was really drifting to me. But brother, your other I, brothers and sisters never oh, pulled themselves out of that. No, I was the only one. And they, they drifted. And, and I looked back after this book and I'm like, wow, these people, they really drifted. They didn't have any purpose. They didn't have any reason. They just took any job that was thrown yeah. at them. Yeah. And that's what they did. Honey badger. I yeah. take the scraps. Scraps, right? When here you are, you're sitting in the wealthiest country in the world and you're not thinking that way. So right. I think that's what really resonated with me with the book. So number one, the deadliest horseman is to have a fear of poverty. Yes. Right? And that's how he tries to control you. So even if you start getting a little bit of money or whatever the case may be, like he talks about in the book, how he figuratively snatches coins from the person. Well, he dangles right when it. He dangles it in front of him. But it's usually dangling like when you're going after money in a wrong cause, not yes. with service, but going through gambling or so. I'm going to throw some money on the stock and yep. see what happens. Yep. In other words, quick money. Yeah. Not Get rich long-term quick sales yes. or long-term service, service or actually building something that has something of value and substance of substance right that is out of the realm Mm -hmm. and that's how he'll dangle the fear of poverty in front of you correct so when you're constantly in a uh, a hypnotic rhythm of fear of poverty or lack right because scarcity mindset yes right then you can never get out of it unless you break out of that hypnotic rhythm become the two percent yes and then do what you have to do to then level do what you up. Have to do. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the second deadliest horseman is what? Is criticism. Fear of criticism. Fear of criticism. And how much I mean, I was thinking about that one. That one really struck me too, because how many times you want to do, do something and it's like, oh, you can't do it, you're not enough, or you look like an ass, or whatever yeah. the case may be, right? Yeah. And even Napoleon Hill didn't publish this book because of the fear of criticism. No. Because that's in the book it actually says the devil says you're not gonna you're never gonna publish this because your number one thing, the you know, the Catholic Church may come out against you. Yep. The schools may come out yep. against you and be, I'll send he says I'll send all my drifters after you. Oh, and this I, thing, I, I just get chills after this because this book was kept from the masses because it really exposed a lot of this stuff that keeps people drifting. Yes. Meaning pay attention to this. I mean, even experts now are saying, do you really need 12 years in school? How much time is drifting? Even in our universities, four years, you get four classes a semester. How much free time did we have on our hands no. to drift? 
were we really precision? No. You know, unless unless you're going and say, hey, I'm going to be a physician. Right. And I'm going to blow the doors off. And I have right. labs and I have this. But how many people I, go into school for like liberal arts and they're just like, well, my parents want me to go to school. Yeah. So I just got to go to school instead of being like, no, do something I fucking love. Right. And then just do that shit. Yeah. Why do you have to go to like 10 years of school? So his fear was the criticism. I mean, and it was kind of, you know, cool that the Napoleon Hill Foundation talked about saying this book was shelved yeah. for 70 years because, because of it. N- not only the his fear, but the fear of the criticism was within the organization yes. until finally they said, wait a second, yeah. we just had this big pain mm-hmm. body which came up uh, in, in 2008 with the, with the collapse of the uh, real estate market yep. and the financial institutions. And they said, this is the time for this book now. Right. And I think that was. And, and I'm so glad that they published it and it was just great. But, you know, I, how many of us will, you know, want to play that sport, do that thing, uh, start that business, get up on stage, show, you, show everybody who you are, but that criticism is the fear. Yeah. What if people make fun of me? What if they talk bad about me? What if they talk shit about me on social media? What if they spread lies about me and rumors? Dude, I think that that for me has always been one of, out of all the six, fear of criticism is my number one. Yeah. But- for some crazy reason, I just keep fucking just putting is, myself out there. But you do, and you know, in spite of fear, and that's what yeah. you teach in Ambitious, is like really taking action in spite of how fearful it right. is to be able to be the person you can be. Absolutely. So, which is awesome. But you know, there's people that are, I said one of them was death. It's public speaking and being, you know, maybe criticized, yeah. it, they'd rather die they'd rather than go die. speak in front are of you, a bunch of people. Crazy. They'd rather die or embarrass insane? themselves. And that's a true fact, right? So yeah. yeah, so criticism is on the list. Number three. Number three is loss of love. So fear yeah. of losing love. Yeah, fear of losing love. So tell me about that. Fear of losing love could come in many forms, many forms. Uh, it could be, oh, if I do this or I, they may not like me if I stand up for myself. Yeah. Right? If I criticism. do this, my parents might not love me. If I become the person I'm supposed my to be. My husband might not love me. Yes. My best friends might not love me. My children might not, whatever. Whatever. Or just losing love, right? So anything, it's almost like the opposite. Anything that you try to sque- a sque- squeeze hold on yeah. usually slips between your fingertips. When you kind of let things go and let things be. Or you kill it like Lenny from Matt. Like Mice and men. Mice and men. That I was, was just good. stroking it, uh, and then the good. fucking ring the rabbit's neck. There you go. But isn't that a metaphor Absolutely. for what you're talking about right now? Loss Sometimes, of if love. you hold something too tight to you, yes. I mean, you can't. You can't. You have to be able to let go and love. And if the love is there, it's going to stay. And if the love is really there, it's going to stay always. No matter what you do, what you become, or whatever else becomes, you're going to have to just love them. What what is that old adage? If you love something, let it free. And if it comes back, it's meant to be. Yep. And mine before I was born. That is actually so true, right? And then mine was, oh, choke the love until you say you keep it or yeah, whatever. Yeah, do you love me now? <laughs> right? Yeah. Because I, I was afraid of uh, loss of love. Right. I mean, think about my first experience. I was given up for adoption. Yeah. Where I had to go through all of that stuff with, you know, my mom's love and all the, you know, not loving me and so forth and right. so on. But it all stems from deep-rooted things that happen to you. You don't even know why you yes. have these fears. Yes. But, you know, they, the negative energy mm-hmm. um, explains in the book, preys on that ignorance of not really... So keeping yourself small out. so that the people around you feel comfortable and love you still. Yeah. That's sick. And, and it, it actually goes on in, on in the book about, you know, you owe nothing to nobody except for yourself. Love right. of yourself. Because how can you absolutely give anyone else love if you don't love yourself? Amen. Right? True. So, yeah, so, yeah. And then the fourth is 
sickness. The loss of health. Loss of health, right? And back when this book was written, I mean, there was a lot of different things. Going. Polio wasn't eradicated I yet. I mean, it was, there was a lot of Some different shit things going on. Going on. Mm-hmm. But even though he gave, and I forget if it was in this, it was not an Outwitting the Devil, but it was in another Napoleon Hill book. And it, I think it was Thinking Grow Rich, where somebody actually killed themselves by what talking themselves into a sickness yeah. or a disease right? i think he oh he, the guy that like he, lost all the money in the stock he, market well he took money from he embezzled oh, money right. and then he went into the hotel room and he got caught and he's like i'm gonna die i'm gonna die no this well, is, no he said this is gonna kill oh, this me is gonna this kill is gonna me. kill this me this is gonna kill and me and he kept saying it over and over again and they found him like what two days two later days dead, like dead just from yeah from actually self-inflicted Suicide. Self-inflicted suicide. So uh, actions. I mean, how many times do we hear people go, oh, my God, this is going to give me a heart attack. Oh, my. Someone did that the other day, and I wanted to punch her in the fucking face. And I said, I go, I looked at her, and I go, she said something about, we were talking about something about um, electromagnetic uh, frequencies. Yes. And I was like, don't put that in your pocket, the phone or something like that. It's too close to, like, your lady parts. And she's like, oh, my God, all the... All of the you know, sunscreen or whatever. Sun, I don't know. I forget what no, it was. she was saying about the phone. She goes, "Oh, I've had my phone there so for so many years. I'm I'm definitely gonna die of cancer." And I was, just, I looked at her. I go, first of all, bitch, you know better to ever say that around yeah. me." I said it, didn't yeah. I? Got yeah, mad yeah, at yeah, her, yeah. and she was like, <laughs> and, and she like laughed. And I love her. We love I her. love her oh. with all my heart. But I was like, don't you dare say that because you are a self fulfilling prophecy. Whatever you think, whatever you say, and whatever you do becomes your reality. That's so if you creation. say, "I'm going to have cancer," erase, erase, <laughs> like, yeah. Anytime you put the words "I am" or it's whatever, creation. you're creating, creation. you're affirmating that shit, yeah. right? Um, I was talking about the like oh, a couple of weeks ago. I had this girl who um, she always would say, "I hate my hair." She had really mm. beautiful, curly, kinky, curly hair. She's mm. like a white girl, right? Mm. She's like, "I hate my hair. I hate it. It's just so curly. It's like unmanageable. I can never just have straight hair and blow it out." So I've known this girl my whole life, and she always had the most beautiful hair. And I was like, mm. "This bitch got some good hair, right?" But she didn't think she had beautiful hair, so she right. always talked shit about her hair. And she would say, "I just want to shave my head. Mm. I just want to shave my head." She kept saying this. For as long as I've known her, she said it. And then she moved away, and I follow her on social media. We don't really talk like, you know, we used to when we were younger. And about six months ago, I was just scrolling on Instagram, and there she is, no fucking hair, stage four cancer. Jesus. And I'm like, oh my God. uh, My heart like dropped into my throat because I was like, she fucking did this to herself without even knowing it. It's like, wow. And you're so powerful. Use it for good. Unbelievable. Right? And, and the thought about sickness or fear in sickness creates sickness because you're focusing on sickness. Or the people that always right? talk about their ailments. Yeah. They get they get attention about their sickness. Yeah. Oh, it's like every time I see certain people, it's like, oh, my back or my knee and my hip and my fucking, the macarena of not, sicknesses. If it's not your doctor, don't talk about it. Shut don't the talk fuck about, up. If, if Stop health, complaining. If your health isn't good, don't be talking about it no. at all unless it's to your physician. Yeah. Don't then, be on Facebook being like, I'm so sick and this oh, and God. shut the F up. Then you would go back to being a drifter. Because well, every time I see that shit, I'm like, motherfucker, bitch, just yeah. drifter, drifter. drifter. How many times do you go on Facebook and just go, drifter, 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 Unfollow, I know, mm. I know. And, mm. then, then the, and then the fifth one is fear of? Old age. That's Matt's biggest old fear. Age. I am never fearful of old age. <laughs> hey, I always said there's the alternative, right? Right. So you, I, mm-hmm. love, I embrace my old age, every age. I'm 52 years old now, 
And I'll tell you, I am in a better position physically, mentally, mentally, emotionally, emotionally, better than I've ever been. And I'm so happy and I'm so grateful for everything that I have. So I've never had like that, what do you call it, that midlife type of crisis where, oh my God, I have to go do this or do that. I'm really blessed in that area where I didn't have to go through it. But I've seen so many people, like, you know, somebody goes to me and goes, I just turned 50. I better start traveling. Oh my God! Start your young man, a young woman. I may not be around. I'm like, I'm like, really? I go, uh, I don't know. Um, uh, Warren Buffett's still Mm -hmm. still still working every day and getting up and doing things, and and he's in well into his 80s, and he's not concerned about his age. Uh, Do you know what I think though? I really because I study a lot of this stuff. Um, I think that the fear of old age is very prevalent in our society, in our Western world. Yes. Because if you go into, um, you know, Eastern cultures or even like Native American cultures, to be old is like the most beautiful gift. Like you are the matriarch or you are the patriarch and you are like the medicine man or woman of your tribe. And like in Japan, it's like they they covet – I mean, probably it's changing now because – that area is becoming more westernized. Yep. But I think that this old age fear just started maybe like the last 300 years ago. Oh, I, I think before it. like your age was like revered. Yeah. And, and you know, loved yes. and looked up upon and you had all the answers. That's a great point. Right? Yeah. So it's almost right like our westernized that. culture has really got this fear of old age where it's like, go get Botox, go get filler, go, yeah. you know, do this, go do that. Now I'm not saying I don't got some shit up in my face too, <laughs> <Right>. but <laughs> I'm not saying I'm perfect here, yep. but no, I think that the fear of old age, it really ravages a lot of people. Definitely a hundred percent. You know what though? I don't think I have fear of old age. I have a consciousness mm. of the age I am. Yes. Yes. And, Listen, more than half is behind me. Right. I've got limited a limited amount of time yes. in front of me. Yes. So it just focuses me on making the right choices. Right. Right. And enjoying everything right. every enjoy, day. Enjoy everything. Don't do the things I don't want to do. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because you yeah. I spent the first half of my life doing that. Right. You know? <laughs> How much time was wasted doing things that you didn't want to do just because right. you thought you had to? Right. Exactly. Yeah, and, that's so true. And that doesn't uh, doesn't necessarily mean you're being selfish. That's right. No, right. No, of course. But no. when you're younger, you and think you're being selfish, and absolutely. you're not. You're absolutely. You're being ambitious. No. You know, if you do something that may not be what my choice is, but you're doing it because somebody right. you love wants to do that, mm-hmm. no. that's fine. Absolutely. That's a good thing. But do you do you feel wiser than ever? Uh yeah, yeah, I think so. You know, like life experience adds a lot, but if you don't take the time to reflect on what you learned, mm-hmm. you're just going to keep it. repeating the same insanity, the same mistakes yeah. over and over again. No, I'm 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 excited to get older. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't bother me. I mean, I I love. Uh, well, we know so many older people, right? Like Jane, who we go out every year yeah. for, and she's ninety, I yeah, think. She's or close or to how 90. we hung out with Grandy, Michelle's. Yeah, she's she is ninety. She's ninety, yeah. and she she will tell you to fuck off. She doesn't give a <laughs> shit. She drives a Maserati. She drives she a little red Maserati. Less. She's ninety years 90 old. Ninety years old. We were just and with her last week, and she said, "I got a three hundred and sixty dollars speeding ticket from a state <laughs> trooper," and I go, "What the hell? Fast." you going and she told me i go grandy jesus that's so easy. fast take it easy and she looked at the state trooper and she goes young man 
I cannot believe you are giving a 90-year-old woman a speeding ticket, $360. And the trooper looked at her and goes, ma'am, I can't believe I'm giving you a speeding ticket. <laughs> but she just looked at him like, who the fuck do you think you are, right? She has that, you just she has get that. bigger and bigger and bigger yeah. balls as yeah. you get older. She doesn't care. She goes, no, you know what? So don't be uh, afraid no of getting old. And then last but not least. Is the fear of death. Oh. Uh, that's, um, that's one that. Are you, you afraid know, to die? You know, I used to be. Now, Me too. I used I used to be petrified of petrified. it but because of my near death experience. I know um, when it does come again, where I thought I was, where I think I'm going to die again. I know what to expect, and it's not as scary. Yes, as you think. Right. You know, I think it was like it's almost that like it's because it's the unknown. It's That's the, why it's, it's scary. It's, it's, it's the unknown and how, right? So I was almost died in a plane crash. That's not a good way to die, right? right? So I thought my, you know, the plane was going to careen into the ocean and I was going to be a bazillion pieces, right? And I and and what happened was right when I gave I gave up. I told you I felt the massive, surrender. massive, massive fear, massive fear until I was like, yo, wait a second, something happened to me where I was like, hey, this is the how the world is everyone dies right mm-hmm. and i embraced that and i said a little prayer and i was holding on the seat in front of me and then this overwhelming feeling of peace came over me and all fear went away because yeah. i surrendered to it and right. then that's when the plane came up yeah but always in my mind i go you know that's going to happen again whether i'm on, the, on a bed or i go to sleep for the last time right. or like well, wayne dyer says you yeah. know there's going to be one day where you it's going to be the last day you put on your suit there's going to be one day you put those shoes on for the last time and you leave that house you don't know right and i think that that's the scarier part but i think it's when you accept it as this is how mm-hmm. life is mm-hmm. and you know you're lucky to be here every single yeah. day and you're appreciative of life i think it really changes it and and uh, 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 switches it, switches yeah. the switch of the fear because it's like, oh my God, I'm so grateful that I'm here. Yeah. And you don't know when you're going to go. Don't I, take I, your I, precious human life for granted. I'm 22, I'm, I'm like 30 years more than I should have been if I died in a plane, plane accident. So every day has been a gift for me, 100%. even though sometimes I didn't appreciate it in my younger youth, right. in my youth. But now, you know, thinking back. There was a, a philosopher that says, how do we know that death is not just like walking into another room of your house? Like, yeah. how do we know? How do we know? And How, I, what do, we don't know. We don't know. And and I think in the Western world, it's like, oh, you can't die. You, you know, you can't. You got. We got to keep them alive. Oh, this person that's really, really sick yes. and really terminal. But why are they doing that? It's for They're them. Keeping them alive and, for their own selfish reasons. Selfish reasons, and it's a lack of failure of like medicine or whatever to keep the person alive Absolutely. until the last spot. And sometimes that person's like, you know, they'll always say. Why don't you get a cup of coffee or something or whatever? Because they, they want to die. The bed. They want to die. They they're don't like, want to die in front of you. Go ahead, get out of here, you know, or whatever. And they're, they're ready to take it. It's yeah. a lot of times that the um, the people that are living. Well, uh, your podcast was it. fucking depressing, Matt. Yeah. Jesus but anyways, Christ. That is. Can you tell a the... fart joke before we go or something? All right, here we go. I'll put them under my arm. <laughs> a little armpit fart. <laughs> All right, so take take us home. Take you home. So I think the the book no, is. No, take us home. Oh, what are we doing? What oh, do you do at that the end? Was dumb, the dumb. Unbelievable, Katie Boyd's podcast. See you next Tuesday. Thank you for being part of this ambitious movement. (laughs) I appreciate it, bitches. Love you. Love you. Bye-bye. Never again, Matt. (laughs) I thought it was good.
The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.